In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. Isn't it great to be back together? Yeah, you can applaud. We can applaud in church. Wow. I've said all morning, I just would rather just sit here and just stare at you all and absorb it. Um, I'm sure many of you have been doing what I've been doing. As you listen to that beautiful music that Kyle does so well and staring at this place and thinking of all the people who have come and gone in this place, the people who have brought their joys and their sorrows, the people who have rejoiced, um, the people who have come asking God for help, for patience, and all those voices and all those people before us are here. And just to be in touch again is just wonderful. So let me say what an absolute delight it is to be with you all. And to hear Kyle play in person again. I'm sorry, but boy, fantastic, fantastic. You can applaud for him too if you'd like. So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot this week was that in those years of seminary, I knew that there were things that I would probably at some point in my ministry encounter that I knew that I was probably not going to be prepared for. The first one that comes to mind for clergy is repairing toilets. Um, but never in a million years would I thought that a pandemic would be one of those things. I don't have to say this, but I think we all feel it and know it, is that we have all had our shares of highs and lows this past year. In the midst of so much grief and tension, fear and death, and even in mourning the death of my former assistant who was a victim of COVID, I found myself not thinking about all the big issues I used to think about, not thinking about all the things I had planned as being the bishop of this diocese, wasn't thinking about my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. I just simply found myself at times just looking for those little things, those little graces, little things in my day that made it all a bit better found myself appreciating the things that I had taken for granted, the relationships that I maybe had not invested as much, found myself reaching out to friends from high school and college just to connect and feel a sense of community. And I have to admit to you that I did a lot of time thinking about my vocation. I have jokingly said, and it's not too much of a joke, that I did spend some time on the website looking at truck driving school, <laughs> verifying my Spanish passport. But I found myself thinking about how I got here, remembering the sense of call I first had, and the people and the places that were so instrumental in my discernment to ultimately pursue ordained ministry. 
And there was one person who just kept coming back to mind. A deacon. A deacon by the name of Chris Greer. Back in 1999, I had the opportunity to first travel to Valley Crucis to participate in the Tao ministry. It's a ministry that was created by Deacon Chris. And actually, it's a ministry that still exists in this diocese to this day. Matter of fact, your interim dean participated in that program for many years before and is the one who introduced me. Tao ministry was begun in response for a need of housing. Specifically, housing improvements, repairs, and maintenance for the poor, low-income seniors, and people with disabilities. And one of the beauties of this ministry, the core of this ministry, was that the main ministers were high school youth. Deacon Chris believed that the youth of our church needed to learn firsthand what it meant to serve others. And he also believed that they would be a powerful witness to adults. He is quoted as saying that youth do not carry the bags of cynicism and judgment that adults often possess. Chris's instructions were very clear to all those who participated. You are expected to work hard. Treat all people you encounter in the spirit of Christ's love. You will respect the dignity of every person. You're not here to pass judgment. You're not here to criticize. You're simply here to open your minds and your hearts and encounter people right where they are. To love them. Chris always challenged the youth with this central question. What does it really look like to love one another? He was committed to challenge young people that fulfillment does not come from a love of material goods or attaining power, but rather by a genuine love for God and for neighbor. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love. Nine times in this morning's gospel, the word love appears. But John is saying to us that the kind of love we are called to embody takes a specific form, takes a particular shape, the shape of the cross. There is a writer by the name of Robin Moss who wrote a book some years ago called Crucified Love. And she offers a wonderful insight into this kind of love that we are asked to exemplify. She writes, few of any of us will be called to martyrdom, but all of us are called to a series of little deaths in the form of invitations to restrain or deny self. The sending of God by God was the sending of love. 
a crucified love willing to lay down its life for friends and enemies alike. Your mission and mine, which we can only perform insofar as we are in communion with God and one another, is to submit out of love for one another to countless daily little deaths until we have yielded every least and last remnant of self to the purpose of Christ. I believe that there are two impulses in life. One is the impulse to take, to acquire, to own, to protect. And the other impulse is to give and serve. One assumes that each of us can be the Lord of our own lives, that our fulfillment and security depend on our ability to provide for ourselves. But the other, the other confesses the sovereignty of God and devotes life to the fulfillment of God's redemptive will in serving others, seeking justice, seeking peace, tearing down the walls and barriers that divide us, and seeking reconciliation with one another. Those who devote themselves to these tasks confess that true fulfillment of life is to be found in loving and serving others. You see, as part of this family we belong to and that we will welcome new members, we are called not to operate within the conventional system of our economy, but rather with a sense of obligation to others. I admit, and as a bishop, I have seen it. The church is often too busy doing the work of the church without stopping to reflect whether or not we are actually obeying Jesus too busy with programs while neglecting people. Too busy preparing sermons while neglecting our prayer life. Doing great things in Jesus' name while neglecting Jesus. And somehow, making ourselves believe that full pews somehow validate our ministry. When in fact, we may have lost connection with the very community we are called to serve. Deacon Chris died the way he lived. loving his neighbor, wearing those same tired pair of overalls, those same worn out boots on someone's rooftop with a hammer in his hand. His last breath was pounding in nails on a roof of a neighbor. That simple act no headlines were written. There's no national media coverage of Deacon Chris dying on that roof. 
It was just a simple act of love. Now I know that a simple act of loving one another is very demanding. It asks for sacrifice. It asks for forbearance, for forgiveness, empathy, compassion, thoughtfulness. And it asks for time and attention. The most precious and fleeting and scarce thing we have. But you see, love is the essence of our faith. This is what we signed up for. It is a love that compels the traveler to bind up the wounds of a man left dead on the side of the road. It is a love that compels a father to run and fall on the neck of his prodigal son and kiss him. It is a love of women who refused to leave the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified in fear while others fled. It is a love that compels the four men carrying the paralytic to cut a hole in the roof of the house so they could lower their friend into a house to be healed by Jesus. In each case, the lover went beyond convention and was not constrained by the letter of the law. Jesus' entire ministry, including his passion and resurrection, hung on this bold and radical phrase. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And so as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we understand that this is central, that love is central to our faith. A love that dares to explore the familiar and unfamiliar neighborhoods. A love that sits in a chair next to the hospital bed holding hands, saying a prayer and simply turning back fear. A love that stops by or calls just to see how someone is doing. A love that sits with someone in grief. A love that stands up for the classmate that's being bullied. A love that clears space for the guest, invites people to come in, to sit down, to stay a while. And it's a love that stands and scans the horizon, watching out for the stragglers, watching out for the ones who will never quite measure up. and holds out a hand to those who get knocked down again and again. You see, for when this kind of love comes into our community, word gets out. Word gets out and there is no longer room for storing such bulky furnishings as petty insecurities, self-importance, jealousy and contempt. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus comes into our lives and says, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. I love you just as you are. That changes us. This love leads us to action.
It leads us to a way of life. This love received becomes the love given. And so, Jesus' way of living becomes our way of living. Jesus' way of serving becomes our way of serving. And Jesus' way of loving becomes our way of loving. Amen.